the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God's desire is life with you for the sake of his name. And so he went to an extreme measure to make that possible. He sent his son. And his son, Jesus, lived a perfect life. He didn't sin. And then he died on a cross to take your punishment so you wouldn't have to. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. I had a conversation with someone I deeply love this week who's going through a life, a real trauma and a challenge. I've got some decisions to make and brought up in church and knows all the stories of Scripture, has all the intellectual knowledge, has a profession of faith back here, but unapologetically knows they're not walking with God right now. And as we were talking about what to do, how to navigate this trauma in life, I said, you know, it really does come down to your decision. Are you going to let God govern your life as you intellectually know Scripture teaches? Or are you going to be in charge? And see, that's the issue all of us have to decide. And the decision of that is not based on whether or not you go to church. It's not based on... If you put something in the offering plate, no, no, there's a moment in time where we acknowledge I've surrendered my right to be in charge of my life. And the failure to do that is why so many look at us inside the walls of the church and call us hypocrites because we go through these motions, but we've never made that decision. We've never experienced that kind of surrender, that kind of yielding. And that's why Jesus says this only takes place when you're praying to God in such a way that you say, Oh, God, at the core of my being, the essence of who I am in my heart, cause my heart to be sacred. How would your life be different if you begin to pray that way, really? Father, cause your name to be sacred in my life. Father, cause your name to be sacred in my home. Father, cause your name to be sacred in my marriage. Father, cause your name to be sacred in my life as a parent. Father, cause your name to be sacred in my workplace. Father, cause your name to be sacred in the classroom. Father, cause your name to be sacred when I'm around my friends. How would your spiritual disciplines be different if if you begin to pray, Father, cause your name to be sacred every time I open your word. Father, cause your name to be sacred when I bow my head in prayer. Father, cause your name to be sacred to me when I come to worship, not focusing on everything else in the world around me. Father, cause your name to be sacred when I have an opportunity to be generous and 
be a steward of what you've given to me. Father, cause your name to be sacred when I witness. You see, I, I think what Jesus was pointing out is that you, you can't begin to truly pray until you've decided what is set apart, what is different, what's of value, what is uniquely uniquely from him. He was saying, you've got to learn to pray whatever it takes, Father. Let there be holiness in me. We don't do this. We bring him leftovers. And that's why this is so important. See, we can come to church and and still it's the leftovers of our week. We can open the Bible app and spend five minutes, but it's the leftovers of our day. We can tip him occasionally with our finances, but it's the leftover of our resources. So last night we ate it out back. We love that. And um, there were a few leftovers. So some of those went home for us. But there were a few pieces of steak that had just not been eaten. They kind of were about to be left on the plate that the waitress came to take away. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. We've got a dog. And so I took those pieces of steak and I began to tear them up and we, we put them in the thing. And then when we got home, I uh, I put them in my hands. So my, my dirty hands had been all over them. And um, I called my very disobedient dog who never listens uh, and kind of does what he wants to do. Pray for Frosty. Frosty's his name. He's 98 in dog years. Um, so I, Frosty uh, came and I, I put a little piece of meat so he sniffed it. Then he followed me outside because I wanted to make sure he went outside because he doesn't always go outside to do what he needs to do, if you know what I mean. And um, if you were looking at that and I were handing you a handful of steak, you're like, Pastor, have you lost your mind? Not Frosty. No, he was in heaven. Frosty loved it. He began to gobble up those pieces of steak. Why? Because he's my pet. He loves my leftovers. But God is not your pet. And he'll never be content with the leftovers of your life. He's holy. And he desires to be sacred. And what we've done is we marginalize those things that should be prioritized. And we become content with something that has no power that he doesn't like. And then we're surprised at our results. (laughs) And I have to say, from my perspective, that's kind of funny. Because you, you get what you're sowing, right? The law of the harvest. And so a parent does this. They look at little Billy, and if your name's Billy, I'm not talking about you. I tried to pick a common name. But you, you, they look at little Billy, and Billy's a good athlete at four. And so uh, they decide he's going to be the next Tim Tebow. So they get him in Little League football, and then he gets in the club ball, and all of a sudden it's travel ball, and Wow, Billy, man, this is a parents that were raised in church. They have gone to church. Even they dedicated little Billy when he was born. But 
now, man, Billy's going to be the next Tim Tebow, and maybe there's going to be college scholarship, and who knows, he may make it into the pros, and all of a sudden, little Billy's not being raised in church. He knows his parents have talked about that, but he's watched them marginalize the thing they talk about prioritizing. And then little Billy's parents are surprised when he grows up and goes to college and he doesn't go to church. And and then he gets married and they don't go to church because they watch their family marginalize things that were supposed to be prioritized. That always results in an outcome we don't like. Fill that in with little Sally, who's going to be the next Olympic Olympic gymnast or whatever the challenge is in your life. Fill it in with your boat that you deserve because you've had such a hard life or or that trip that, that you make every other week to the beach and you don't prioritize those things of God. We got to stop expecting those that are watching us to prioritize the things they watch us marginalize. But Jesus is teaching us more. He's teaching us to praise God's name. He's teaching us to prioritize God's name. But I think the biggest thing is he's teaching us the preeminence of God's name. Now, preeminence is a word that literally means surpassing all others. So I think what he's trying to help us say when we say, Father, cause your name to be holy. He's reminding that, that God doesn't want prominence in your life. You know, a lot of us have got that down good. He's prominent. Even the people in your little corner of the world, they see God's prominent in their life. Their car's gone on Sunday morning or, or, you know, they, uh, they seem to pray when they have a meal or something. He's prominent in their life, but that's not what he's after. He's not even after being the president of your life. Now, if I wanted to divide this crowd instantly, I would just ask you what you think about the president (laughs) at any given time in history, (laughs) because we're so divided now. But here's the reality. You know, the president makes decisions that do affect us. No question. Elections have consequences. But you're not really caring what the White House does most every day. That's not governing your life. God doesn't want to be your president. He wants to be preeminent. He wants to be the the thing that governs you. Remember my conversation that is over everything in your life, that every decision you make is governed by godliness. How have we missed this? How could generations grow up in church and, and not understand that it's not about walking down an aisle or raising a hand and praying a prayer or, or checking off that you went to Sunday school, but there is a holy God who wants to be the number one thing in our life, which means that who I marry, he needs to be consulted. What degree I get, he needs to be consulted. What job I take, he needs to be consulted. How I spend my free time, he needs to be consulted. How I spend my money, he needs to be consulted. How in the world that we profess to be followers of Christ and not understand this basic truth. Father, cause your name to be holy. And he made this clear in the very beginning. Because when he was talking to Moses up on that mountaintop and he gave us the big 10, remember what he said? Look at Exodus 20, verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. 
You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or, or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. And don't miss this. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his names. God's name is a big deal. And we pat ourselves on the back if we're not committing adultery. Even though Jesus said, if you look the wrong way, you're guilty of adultery. Or, or we haven't committed murder. Well, even though Jesus said, if you hate somebody, you're guilty of murder. But we pat ourselves on the back if we haven't done these big things. And yet we're not allowing God's name to be sacred in our life. This is such a big deal that near the end of the book, the apostle Paul would be inspired to say in Philippians 2, therefore God exalted him to the highest, Jesus, and gave him the name above every name. That in the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's telling us, hey, there's going to be a day where the name of God will be holy in everyone's eyes. But for some, it will be too late. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. you may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. By the way, when we pray, that's why we pray ending it in Jesus' name. What we're saying, God, let your name be glorified in how these prayers are answered. This is for your name's sake. This is for the holiness of your name. Well, let me just give you three things to help us kind of finalize this thought. Number one, when God's name is preeminent in your life, it describes your identity. That's who you are. That's why in the New Testament, Paul uses the term very frequently in Christ. If, if you've got that relationship with God through Jesus, you are in Christ. And then we know inversely that that means he is in us. So we are in Christ and he is in us. And, and that is uh, an identifying factor in our life. And so that's why the Bible in the book of Acts tells us that in Antioch, people begin to notice that. And they said, these people, they look like that one that was called Jesus the Christ. They're like little Christ's which was translated Christians. And yet today we live in a nation, the wealthiest nation in the world, 
And the majority of people, though it's shrinking, the majority of people still say they're Christians. And yet, I don't feel like when I walk outside that I see a bunch of little Christ walking around. So there's a disconnect, right? Unfortunately, it's infiltrated the church. You can have your name on rolls and hold positions and... and yet you don't really identify as one who has made God preeminent in your life. Secondly, when God's name is preeminent in your life, it displays intimacy. It's clear that you know him. Again, as I dove into me this week, one of the things I've landed on is just some adjustments I want to make because I, I want I don't want there to be any doubt when I come in contact pe- with people that uh, it could be said like it said of the disciples in the Gospels. Um, he's been with Jesus. You see, when he is preeminent in your life, it's clear that you know him and he knows you. So uh, my wife, her name is Kimberly. And some of you don't know her real well. Um, And I know that because you call her something she doesn't prefer to be called. So I discovered when we first met on the first day of seminary, when I thought there is my future wife, um, I learned that her name is Kimberly, but she prefers to go by, ready for this? Kimberly. But because that's one of the names that people often shorten, A lot of people call her Kim, (laughs) but not people that know her because they know her and care about what she wants. And and so when we have this idea that God is preeminent in our lives, we've gotten to know him on an intimate level and we're living in such a way that we want what he wants, right? Right. So when God's name is preeminent in your life, it describes your identity. When God's name is preeminent in your life, it displays your intimacy. And when God's name is preeminent in your life, it's depicted through your intentions. Now, what I'm saying there is you begin to live your life recognizing everything I do matters. So I, I can't just write off college as a party time. And I'm going to get back on track because everything I do matters. I I can't wait to get deeper involved in my relationship with God until the kids are a little bigger because everything I do matters. (laughs) I, I can't just walk away from this marriage because we're bumping heads, which we should have known because we were opposites when we started dating and when we got married. But I can't walk away because... Everything is governed by who he is. And so then when I begin to make my decision about what I want to do for my life, I have to say, okay, how does his name get greater in the nations because of what I do? Again, another terrible problem in the church of today. We've acted like just those on stage are the ones that are called. It's not true. If you're a Christ follower, your job is to make his name great in the nations.
Is that your intention? Are you making that kind of difference? Is the name of God preeminent in your life? Here's a way to know. You feel like you're living as a kingdom citizen? Is your life... Time out. I'm going to stir the pot here, Mike, a little bit. Um, Here's a quick one on that. You get more excited about things like what we're talking about or when you're watching Fox News or MSNBC. That tells us which kingdom you're in, right? If you were more passionate about the election or, or your view on vaccinations, that's a descriptor into which kingdom you're in. Are you living as a kingdom citizen? Are you uh, living according to his will? As people look at the decisions you've made, would they say, man, it really seems like they're consulting God with this new house they're building or, or, or with this new job they're taking? Um, are you submitting your daily needs to him or are they your daily greeds? That's coming, but that's a question. How are you with forgiveness? Are you a forgiven person? Are you a forgiving person? And then how are you doing in the battle against temptation and the evil of this world? Have you been delivered? So if you say no to any of those, it's like a private pop quiz. If you say no to any of those, that tells us there's some areas where he's not preeminent in our life, right? And so we need to make some adjustment, whether it's in our marriage, our parenting, our schoolwork, and our faithfulness to church. All I'm asking is that you begin, that you make that conscious decision today. And if you're a Christ follower, how that looks is what Peter said in 1 Peter 3 and verse 15. It says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. I love it better in the old translation. It says, sanctify, sanctify your hearts. That's what we're praying, right? Oh, Father in heaven. Cause your name to be sacred, to be sanctified in my heart. But some of you, you've not done this. And and the light bulb has come on today. And you've realized, man, I've gone through a lot of motions, but I don't have the kind of faith he's talking about. Well, here's the good news. That name has the power you need. Because in Romans 10, 13, it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's your hope. That's why God's brought you to this day and given you life so that you can experience that. So here's what I say to you. Glorify the name of the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. If we understand that Christ died to make us holy, how can we live any other way than in pursuit of that holiness? Are you willing today to present yourself before God, not asking for anything, but just in light of who he is, saying, God, I want to hang out in your holiness. There was a benevolent king who once a week would reserve a morning to allow anyone in the kingdom to come in with any request, complaints, any issues they had. And he noticed something over a period of time, week after week, year after year. Um, this guy would come every, every time he opened the doors of the palace. And then when it was over, he would leave and he never said a word. Finally, one day the curiosity got a hold of the king and, and he said, um, 
go find that guy. I've got to figure this out. And so he went and he said, hey, I've noticed for years you've been coming every time I opened the doors of the palace and yet you've never asked for anything. Why, why do you do this? And he, he said, King, when I was a younger man, I had committed a crime. And I was sentenced to death. But as they were dragging me through the streets, your carriage rode by. And I cried out to you and asked for forgiveness. And you looked, and because I was a young man, you pardoned me. You gave me a second chance. So because of that, I don't come asking anything. But I want to come every time I get a chance giving you honor and just letting you see how awesome I think you are. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.